So we're in our third week of the blessed life. And just kind of by way of review, we want to understand what blessed really means. And blessed is simply kind of boiled down to this fact. Living the blessed life has to do and starts with me uh, living the life that God and being who God's designed for me to be and living the life that he desires for me to live. Uh, That's where the blessed life stems from. And we want to understand that because we saw that the, the Beatitudes where our study is leading us through, it's not a grocery list where I say, well, I may have this one and this one, but I'm not necessarily going to have this one or this one. It's not a grocery list that we have some and we don't have some. It's a progression. It's a ladder to the blessed life. It's a, that mountain that we climb that gets us to where God wants us to be. It's an inclusive list. And every aspect on that list is going to be a part of our lives as believers, For example, we started with the poor in spirit and we saw that the poor in spirit uh, recognized that that's the moment I I realized my value apart from Christ. I realized that without Christ, I literally am nothing. Uh, But with him, I am everything. So when I'm poor in spirit, when I recognize that I am desperate without him, that's where I am blessed to receive that relationship that he brings into my life. And last week we saw blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. And we saw that that mourning specifically was over my sin. And we realized that poor in spirit leads me to a relationship with Christ. And even in that relationship with Christ, I recognize the power that sin and its presence can still have as long as there's breath in this body. And I mourn, I grieve over that sin in my life because I recognize that that sin can keep me from living the life that he has for me to live. Now we understood that sin, won't, there's no sin that can take away my relationship with Christ. When he saves me, he has given me a gift that's by his power. So if it's by his power, there's nothing within my power that's gonna eradicate that gift that he's given me. But then there's a responsibility he's given me to mourn and recognize that this can't be a part of my life, this can't be a part of my life, this can't be a part of my life, and I keep making those steps further in my relationship and living that blessed life that he has for me to live. Now, those first two are inward aspects of the Beatitudes, that blessed life. Those first two deal with what he does within. Now we get to some of these steps that have to do with the outward expressions of what he's done in my life. Today, specifically, we're going to really focus on the power that is within us, the power that is within us. And it's interesting how I I was going to say our minds work. I'm going to say my mind because I don't want to put you on the same level as the way my mind works. That may not be fair to you. But understand that word association, a lot of times I hear a word and I immediately think of a particular picture in my mind. And when I hear the word power, Immediately, my mind goes back to when I was a child watching Star Trek. Star Trek was something that I remember watching that with my dad and my brother. And Star Trek is one of those shows that you either love it or you hate it. Because every show was the same. Every show had to do with they're on a five-year mission to determine new worlds. And on the Starship Enterprise, Captain Kirk and Spock and Bones and Scotty. And every, every week was basically the same. They get some kind of opportunity to go down to the, a, a new planet's surface. And that team goes down. And you automatically knew there's always going to be one guy with the red shirt on. You know he's not making it back. 
So you understand, every week, the red-shirted guy, as soon as he lands, you say, dude, you put the wrong shirt on today because red-shirt guy always ends up getting killed. So we understand they always mess with Romulans or, 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 or the other aliens, or maybe sometimes they look scary aliens, sometimes they look like a little soccer ball with fuzz on it. So every week's the same, and every week, Captain Kirk has to find his way out of this challenge, and they're always just about to get away, but a tractor beam or something is holding them back. And every week, almost every week, Captain Kirk does this. He gets on his little communicator and he says, Scotty, we need more power. That's my Captain Kirk impression. And then inevitably, Scotty comes back, Captain, I'm giving her all she's got. That's my Scotty impression. If you think, (laughs) it's not going to get any better than that. (laughs) And every week, he has that take place and Scotty has to do some kind of logarithm or something and he finds a way to tap into more power. The power's there and Captain Kirk knows, hey, right now we aren't using all the power we have. Scotty, you got to find a way to tap into the power that I know is there because I know there's more power than we're experiencing right now. We have the power we need to get away, to, get, to make a difference in this moment. Scotty, do what you need to do. Unleash that power. Now, there's more than a reason. I, I didn't just share that so I could share my impressions with you because they weren't that impressive, obviously. <laughs> they sounded better when I was doing them in the mirror this week, I guess, to myself. But what I want you to understand is that picture of, of the power that was available, but they had to do whatever was necessary to tap into that power. They couldn't let any circumstance convince them that we don't have the power needed to make it in this circumstance, in this situation. The reason I want you to get that picture is because that's where we are as believers. We can focus so much sometimes on the world around us and what's going on in our lives, what's going on in politics, what's going on in, in, in Hollywood, what's going on in our communities, in our state, in our nation, what's going on all the world around us. And you watch the news and, and, and it can be overwhelming at times. And we can forget that we have the power of creation within us. God doesn't save us and say, you know what, I'm going to plug you in to this little outlet and and just give you just enough to make it, give you just enough power to get by, give you just enough power just to deal with the world around you. That's not what he does. He says, guess what? Because you now belong to me, I am hooking you in straight to the source. (laughs) You have direct power. You have the Holy Spirit of God, the God that spoke creation out of nothing. You have that within you. And and, and when that power doesn't seem like it's enough, it's not because you don't have the power within you. You've let the world convince you that you don't have it. You've let the world convince you, as we'll see in our scripture today, and confuse you into thinking that because you're a Christian, you're weak, you're timid, and you're unable, and you shouldn't be bold, and you shouldn't be outspoken, and you shouldn't try to make a difference in this world. Because you're a Christian, you just bought into this Jesus stuff because it helps you sleep better at night. It helps give you some comfort in an uncomfortable world, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. So let's read our verse this morning as we continue our walk through the blessed life. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the reason we want to, and you may say right now, well, preacher, I thought you were going to be talking about power, and we're talking about meekness. And, and, and you've gotten in your mind that I, 
I've always understood meekness to be, uh, to be weakness and to be timidity and to be apathy and to, to, to not have this boldness and, 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 and being willing to challenge the world around me. Well, that's because we, are, we don't understand what the scriptural meaning of meek really and truly is. But hopefully when you leave this place this morning, you're going to understand that I want to be meek because meek does not equal weak. See, what the world wants to convince you and wants to convince me is that we're, we're weak, that we're insignificant, that we, we don't have the power to change. So let me preface everything that we're going to talk about today by this statement. If you take notes, I encourage you to write this down. The world we live in does not have the power to change you. That's the first part. The world that you and I live in does not have the power to change you. You have the power to change the world. You have the power to change the world. And how we live our lives, how we focus and understand what that blessed life means is found, again, in just this, this short group of words. So let's first start by understanding what meek isn't versus what it is. What meek isn't versus what it is. And that word meek, we understand first and foremost that meek is not something we learn, it's something we're given. Meek is not something we learn. You can't take a course on being meek. You can't take an online survey and determine if you have meekness. You can't uh, buy a self-help book and say, hey, meekness for dummies. (laughs) No offense intended, I'm just saying that you can't do that. You can do that with computer programming. You you, you can buy dummy books for just about anything. You're not going to find it for meekness because it's not something that we have the power and the ability to learn. You can't learn how to be meek. Meek is something we are given. Meekness is something that God says, now that you belong to me, this is going to be who you are. It's not something you learn from the outside in. It's something that I'm going to bring out from the inside to the outside. Give you a biblical example. David and Saul. David didn't have the opportunity to learn what God desired for him to be in meekness because when he looked at Saul, when he looked at the other higher-ups that were in his realm of influence, the last thing they were was meek. And even when Saul sought to kill David, David continually demonstrated something that he hadn't learned. He actually demonstrated the contrary. Saul's desire was to eradicate the threat. Saul saw David as a threat to his power, so he sought to eradicate David. David fled fled for his life, but on more than one occasion, David would have had the opportunity to end Saul's life, but he didn't. Even throughout Saul, breathing anger and thrusting spears and and, and threatening the life of David, David continually showed honor and reverence to Saul. Even Having an opportunity in a cave at one point, he could have taken his life, but he reached over and he cut part of his robe and then later showed him this. This is how close I was. I could have ended your life, but I didn't. Why? Because I'm meek. Because I'm I'm, I'm enacting something that has been given to me 
that I couldn't learn from watching you, couldn't learn from watching these warriors. I couldn't learn this, but it's something now that is within me that has been given to me. So understand that meek is not something that we learn. You're not going to learn it at coffee talk. You're not going to learn it in the Sunday school lesson. You're not going to learn it here from this stage. Meekness is not something that you and I can enact to learn. It's something that we have within us when we have poor in spirit, mourn over our sin, and allow God's power to flow freely through our lives. So it's not learned, it's given. It doesn't involve apathy. It, it is a discerned action. Apathy is to not be concerned. Apathy is that mindset. Maybe you have met some people as I have. Apathy is that characteristic that says, you know what, I could go either way. I could take it or leave it. You know, when you go on that first date and you ask your date, where do you want to eat? I don't care. <laughs> what about McDonald's? No, I'm not, you're not taking me to McDonald's on our first date. What about the Great Wall? <laughs> you're not taking me to Great Wall on our first date. So you go through these options and you see, apathy is, I don't care. I could go either way. And sometimes the world can get us so jaded that we find ourselves with that mindset. We watch the news or we see situations going on in and around our lives and we, we, we're careful, but we, we, we get to that point where, you know what, what difference does it make at this point? I, I don't care. Being meek is not being apathetic. It's, it is discerned action. It's understanding that I am not going to spout off with the mouth. I'm not going to have a knee-jerk reaction, but what I am going to do is I'm going to pray for God to give me the discernment because I know there may be some action I can take in this moment. I'll give you a biblical example. Abraham and Lot. You see, Abraham had been given the covenant. Abraham had been told by God, Abraham, you're going to be brought out of your homeland. Everything you've ever known, every person, everything you've ever known that you are, you're brought out of that. You're going to leave it behind, and I have a land for you. It is a blessing that I'm going to bring you into. And this is the covenant I'm making with you. That no matter what happens, you are the patriarch. The lineage of everything that's going to be important to make a difference in this world is going to come through you. Like sands of the seashore, the stars in the sky aren't going to number your descendants. Abraham, this is what I have for you. It's a covenant I'm making with you. And when God makes a covenant, it is unbreakable. That's important. Remember that. When God makes a covenant, it is unbreakable. There's no power in this world that can break a covenant God makes with his child. Now, Abraham has a moment in his life where they're looking over this vast land. And they realize that they become too great in number to stay together for the land to support them. So Lot and Abraham are standing there and they're looking over this land and they have a decision to make. Abraham's going to need to go one direction. Lot's going to need to go another direction. Lot's going to need to take possession of one particular land in this moment. Abraham will need to take possession of another. So Abraham is there. And now realizing that Abraham had every right to say, listen, Lot, nephew of mine, you just need to understand you're going to get what's left over because God made a covenant with me. I'm the man. I'm the guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose what I want and then you're going to take whatever's left over. Abraham could have done that, but he didn't. Why? Because he had been given something we call meekness. And it's not that he didn't care. It's not that he wasn't concerned 
What he understood was in this moment, I discern the action that I take. It isn't going to make a difference because whatever land Lot chooses, whatever land I choose, isn't going to change the fact that God's got a land for me that's going to make all of this pale in comparison. So he says, Lot, I'll tell you what you choose and I'll take what's left. And of course, Lot looks out and he says, well, this looks like the best choice. This looks like the best fertile land. That's what I'm going to take. And Abraham says, if that's what you want, then you go ahead. I'll take this, what's left over. You see, that's where meekness, it's not apathy. It's not that we don't care. It's that we understand, you know what? My action is going to make a difference. So sometimes I need to just discern what does God want for me to do in this moment? Because maybe the choice I make in this moment isn't so important that I need to focus just on this moment and miss the big picture of what he's promised me. For example, again, a covenant is something when God makes it with you, it cannot be broken. Christ made a covenant with you in his blood that when you accept the gift that I have given you when you accept this blessing of salvation when this comes into your life nothing can break that covenant so make the decisions from this point on not as if you don't care but you understand that you know what in this moment what difference does it make what parking space I get in this moment what difference does it make what seed in the church I get because he has a covenant with me and my best days still lie ahead you see how often is it that we we have that kind of mindset hey there's a parking space that's kind of farther out than the rest I'll take that one so somebody can park closer there's a seat that I always sit in, but you know what? It's closer up to the front, and I get a better opportunity to, to hear Pastor Bill's silly impressions, so I'm going to let somebody else sit up front. Or maybe it's, hey, there's this kid at school that nobody wants to eat lunch with. I'm going to eat lunch with that kid. Or there's someone at work. Hey, people talk about them behind their back. You know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to befriend them. Maybe there's a sacrifice that needs to be made. I'll make that sacrifice. Maybe there's an area of service that needs to be dealt with. I will fill that service. That's what it means to be meek in that mindset. It's discerned action. In this moment, what action can I take that's going to have the greatest impact on the kingdom of God? Sure, it's raining a little bit outside. It'd be better for me personally because I got this new jacket on. I'd rather be close to the building so I don't get rained on. But in this moment, maybe there's a visitor. Maybe there's somebody that need parking out there. They can park just a little bit closer. You see, that's what meekness is. It's not apathy. It's discerned action. As we go further, meekness is not being timid. It is actually obedient boldness. You sometimes we hear that word meek and we let the world convince us that as Christians, we're supposed to be timid. Well, you can't speak out against this. You're supposed to love everybody. I can love everybody and still speak out with boldness. I can have compassion and yet still be truthful and bold. And what we're seeing here is God is reminding us to be meek is in no way to be timid. You see, sometimes we have let the world convince us that because we're Christians, we can't hurt anybody's feelings. Well, let me clarify something. The gospel leads people to salvation. Do you know how? Because it hurts someone's feelings. The truth of the gospel hurts your feelings. 
it causes you to realize, you know what, if this is true, then I don't feel very good about myself right now. Poor in spirit. Understanding sin and realizing what sin can do in our life, it's real. And it helps us mourn that because we're being truthful with who we are. And the world needs to hear that truth. And being meek in no way means being timid. It means being obediently bold. Biblical example. That's easy for me to say. Moses. I didn't do that for emphasis, but Moses was thick-tongued. He wasn't eloquent in speech. (laughs) That just happened that way. But Moses wasn't timid, even though when God called him, originally Moses is in the desert. God says, this is what I have for you to do. And Moses says, who am I to to do that? I'm thick-tongued. I'm not eloquent. How can I do what you're calling me to do. Moses was timid in his own abilities and God says, hey, did I not make your mouth? I will enable you to do what I've called you to do. So Moses goes forth and he does what God has called him to do with boldness. Now understand though that along the way, Aaron, his brother, Miriam, his sister, and many others began to ridicule and criticize what Moses was doing. And they began to criticize how he was able to be called to do something when he obviously at times seemed inadequate to do it. Moses could have been timid. He could have pulled into his shell. He could have backed away and said, you know what? Maybe I'm not who God's called me to be. Maybe I'm not able to do the things he's called me to do. But Moses stood with obedient boldness because Moses understood, hey, when I go up on that mountain and I come back down, my face doesn't shine because I'm intellectual. My face doesn't shine because I'm eloquent. My face doesn't shine because I am special compared to who you are. My face shines with the glory of God because I have spent time with him. And because of that, Moses understood you can criticize my humanity. You can criticize my speech and my ineloquence. You can criticize that I'm thick-tongued. You can criticize that I don't have all the answers. But you cannot criticize that I am called by God to do what I'm doing. An obedient boldness. Do you know what the world desperately needs today? Obedient boldness. The world needs believers that are willing with compassion and with the love of Christ to hurt somebody's feelings with the truth if necessary. You see, too many times we feel like, well, as a Christian, I can't, what, if I speak out a bit against that, it's, it, it, it may seem like I'm hating someone. If I speak out against homosexuality, then it may seem like I'm hating on this people group. If, I'm, if I speak out against this or that, it may seem like I'm, I'm speaking out and showing hatred. We can be compassionate. We are to love the sinner, but be bold against the sin. And I've shared this before. The reality is the world is not going to get better by the world's standards. When you read scripture and you look into Revelation, what's around us is going to get worse. But what the, make, the difference maker is this. We don't need to sit in our holy huddles and rejoice in the fact that he's coming again and everything is going to get better when we have the power in that moment to change lives. But we don't change lives sitting with our lips closed, 
worried about hurting someone's feelings. When's the last time you got your feelings hurt? How many of you? This week? Last week? Come on, some of you. At least give me some credit. I got to have hurt somebody's feelings this morning by now. I get my feelings hurt quite often. I get my feelings hurt all the time, and sometimes it's because someone is being unfair to me. But here's a reality that you and I better get. Sometimes there are moments in my life that what I don't need is somebody to put, my arm or put their arm around me and tell me I'm doing just fine. What I don't need is somebody to, to embrace me and say everything's okay, everybody makes those. What I need in those moments sometimes is somebody to be courageously bold and hurt my feelings because I'm not doing and being who God's called me to be. How do I know that's the truth? Because sometimes God does it without any other human intervention. There are times that I get into his word and man, that quiet time makes me feel great. I walk like I'm walking on air. And there are times that I can't get low enough to the floor when he's dealing with me. And the reason is because he's holding us to a higher standard of boldness that we've let the world convince us that we don't have. <laughs> you don't have to be contrary to be speaking the truth. You don't have to show hate to speak the truth. You don't have to be disagreeable to show the truth. Moses recognized that I'm going to be meek. I'm not going to lash out at those who lash out at me. But you better believe I'm going to stand for the truth. And being meek, the most common misconception is weakness. To be meek is not to be weak. And it literally means this, great power under control. It's the idea of a wild stallion that is, is wild and free and it has all the power that it needs to make a great impact. It has tremendous power within itself. But none of that power is harnessed. None of that power is under control. So you take that wild stallion and you cause it to submit to your authority. And you utilize that power to pull a cart, to plow a field, to run a race, whatever it may be. It hasn't lost any power. All of that great, great power, though, is now under the control of another. That's meekness. You see, meekness is in no way, shape, or form weakness. It is actually the very opposite. It's a paradox. Because what it's saying is, because of who you now are in Christ, you have the greatest power this universe will ever know within you. But that power is used, expended, and impactful when it's under the control of the master. That great power you have to literally change the world, but it's under the control of our Heavenly Father. And that's what meekness truly is. Now, a biblical example, you can't get any better example than Jesus. You say, well, Jesus was, was the Son of God. I, I agree with you 100%. But understand that as he was embodied with flesh, he was completely 100% human. <laughs> Now, he was always completely 100% God, but he was completely 100% human. He had to be in order to pay for my sins and your sins. But even in that midst of him being embodied and clothed by flesh, 
He had the power of all creation within him. He had the power to end it all just like that. He had the power to start over just like that. He had the power to not have anybody stand against him just like that. And yet, he allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed mere humans to strike him, spit on him, and ridicule him. He allowed mere humanity to scourge him. He allowed humanity to nail him on a cross. He allowed humanity to stand at the foot of that cross and ridicule and criticize who he claimed to be and what he was doing. When he had the power to call legions of angels down and come off of that cross. He had the power to do anything that he chose to do. But in the garden, he even prayed, Father God, if there's any way other than this, because humanly speaking, it's going to be overwhelming the pain I'm going to take for them. But nevertheless, thy will be done. Do you know what he was saying in just those few words? Nevertheless, God, this power within me, it's under your control. I have the power to do anything in this moment, but this power is to be used for this singular purpose, to redeem those who don't even at this moment realize how desperately they need to be redeemed. That's meekness. Power under control. Let me ask you this. We sing songs of praise to God. We just sang a song a few moments ago talking about I will not fear the war. How can I be afraid of what this world can bring my way if I have the greatest power known to the universe within me? That's meekness, power under control. And what happens when I realize that's been given to me, I shall inherit the earth. Quickly, two things. Number one, that's a present aspect. And number two, there's a future aspect to that. Number one is simply this. If I have been given the inheritance of the world, there are several things right now that means in my life. I'm not focused because of that on my individual rights. How many of you realize how much news time, how much broadcast time, how much Instagram time, how much Snap FaceTime and Facebook time and all this other stuff time? How many of you realize how much is spent on somebody declaring and proclaiming their rights. I have the right to do this. I have the right to do that. I have the right for this. I have the right for that. All around us, as, as believers, part of inheriting the earth is me understanding because I have the power of all creation within me, because I understand that that power is under the Father's control, I'm not concerned about my individual rights because I understand that this world may try to violate this right or this right. This world may try to say, you can't talk about Jesus. You can't be who Jesus has called you to be. You can't proclaim to be a Christian. You can't speak out against this choice or this choice. It can do all of those things in my life, but do you know what the world cannot do? It cannot take away the rights that God has given me and the rights that God has given you. And that's part of that immediate present benefit where it says they shall inherit the earth. Inheriting the earth is understanding that this earth, this power, this world that I live in right now, it does not dictate who I am and who I can be. 
You see, that changes our perspective, doesn't it? Because then I realize the world can tell me that I can't say the name of Jesus. But there's a power within me, and the Scripture talks about it in the Old Testament and the New. I cannot but talk about who Christ is when he belongs to me and I belong to him. And that's what it means, the present state to inherit the earth. My rights are no longer my focal point. And that's why sometimes as Christians, we struggle with someone else saying, well, you're violating my rights because we in our mind are trying to struggle with that thought. Well, you're proclaiming that you want to make this choice and you want to do these things. You want to live this life, but you don't understand if you live apart from Jesus Christ, you don't have any rights. It's not a guarantee. So we see him saying, hey, your rights aren't going to matter. You're going to be focused on these things. Your circumstances aren't going to be your focal point. Part of me inheriting the earth is understanding that no matter what this life, this world does to me, it again will never change what my future holds. It'll never change what my future holds. How many of you are happy with every single circumstance of your life right now? Now, before you raise your hand, what I'm saying is how many of you could think of, hey, if I could change this circumstance or this circumstance or this circumstance, maybe it's another job, maybe it's a, a different house, maybe it's any other circumstance, maybe it's not facing a particular struggle you're facing right now. Maybe even this morning you're struggling with something and if you could change, you say, I would change this circumstance right now. How many of you want to change something in your life right now? I would. But do you understand at the end of the day, I have to recognize that part of that meekness helps me understand that if this circumstance never changes, if this life moment never changes, if as long as there's breath in this body, I have to struggle with this and this and this, that's okay. I'm okay with that because I will never lose what he has given me, even in this moment. That's the present aspect of inheriting the earth. Now, future speaking is this. Today, because of who I am in Christ, is a good day. We started the series off with that mindset. If I had breath in my body when I woke up, if I get to lay my head down at the end of the day, regardless of what happens in between, today is a good day. Why? Because I am blessed to belong to Jesus. But do you realize that as good as, day, as, good as today can be, tomorrow is always going to be better? Because tomorrow is another day closer to that future state of inheriting what only he could bring me into my life. Because today, as good as it gets, tomorrow's gonna be better. And as long as there's breath in this body, here's a reality. My best is always yet to come. Now, I know you might be saying, it's easy for you to stand up there and say that, preacher, because you don't know what I'm dealing with in my life right now. And you're exactly right. I don't know what you're dealing with in your life right now, but here's a reality too. You don't know what I'm dealing with in mine. And I'm not standing up here just to tell you that today's a good day because of my circumstances are good. I'm going to be real with you. This week I had to go out of town, and while I'm gone, one son breaks his hand, possibly needing surgery. My dad got diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. My younger son, because I was out of town, I barely got to see him, and he goes back to school today. I'd be remiss to stand up here and tell you that I'm happy with my circumstances right now. I'm not. That's a reality. I'm not happy with my circumstances right now. But do you know why I can still stand up here before you and say I have a blessed life? 
because my dad's still here. My two sons are still here. I made it back safe from Wisconsin. (laughs) Because as I stand before you here today, I understand that regardless of what circumstances come my way, regardless of what circumstances come your way, will never change this fact that within me, because of what Christ did for me, I have the power of all creation within me. The world, no matter circumstances change, come and go, cannot change who I am and who I belong to, but I have the power to change the world. A.W. Tozer said it this way. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than the angels themselves. And he closes it with this. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. So the next time you read that one simple verse, understand this. Meek is something you have been given and meek is not weak. We are not called to be doormats by a lost dark world. We we are not called to let people walk over us. We are not called to let people overpower us. We are not called to let people just continue to push us aside like we were insignificant. This world is not going to be changed by politics and government. This world and, 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 and lives are not going to be impacted by simply saying the right thing and doing the right thing by the world's standards. This world is going to be impacted for the good of Jesus Christ by Christians who realize that I'm called to be meek. I'm called to have the control of God living over my life and understanding that within me I have the power to change lives because of who Jesus Christ is. How many of you came into this place and if I were to say and ask you this morning, what does it mean to be meek? You would have said, well, that means to be, be weak and timid when you first came in here. How many of us understand now, though, that it's the opposite? Meekness is me walking through this life with humility and control, knowing that within me is the very power of God. Knowing that it's not me trying to get control of my emotions, it's God controlling them through his power. Knowing that it's not me trying to control my actions and my reactions, it's God controlling the power that was within me. It's not me trying to make a difference because of who I am as a human being. It's me understanding that I will make a difference when I allow God to harness this power and use it as he sees fit. So the next time you read that short verse, Blessed are the meek. I want you to say this. Blessed am I for being meek. I have inherited the earth. And with that inheritance comes great responsibility. What will you do with that power that is within you even today? Would you bow with me and pray? Father God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Father God, I thank you that even right now as we are in this place, 
If there's someone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, Lord, they don't have to leave in that state, Lord. I pray right now that if there's anyone in this place, if they would just lift their hand up, I'd love to come and talk with them, pray with them. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to understand how much he desperately wants to have a relationship with you, how how desperately he loves you. If you don't know Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. And maybe you're one of those here this morning that you realize I've, I've taken for granted the power that is within me. I've taken for granted the the, the creative power of the universe, the redemptive power of the universe, the very power that hung on a cross and died for my sins is living right now within me. Maybe you've overestimated or, or underestimated that power, I should say. Maybe you've overlooked who truly is in control of your life. If you'd slip your hand up, I just want to pray for you that, hey, God, I want... I want your power to be seen. I want your power to be recognized as I take every step of my life. I never again want people in this world to look at me like I am someone that is weak and needs something to believe in just to help me get it through the day. I want people to understand that I believe in Jesus because he changed my life dramatically and I feel his power within me. Father God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you that right now as we are in this place, we have to recognize God. That if by the show of hands, if every person in this place knows you, there is enough power in this room alone to transform our community, our state, our nation. If we use that power with boldness, with confidence, Help us trust in your power. Help us have discernment, Lord. Help us understand that I'm called to be meek because Christ, you were meek. Help us leave this place today understanding that this world cannot have the power to change me. But we have, each and every one of us have the power to change the world. Thank you, God, for giving us the privilege it is to be a believer with meekness and humility, understanding the great power we truly possess. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you for being here this morning. I pray this series continues to challenge you uh, in living that blessed life. I do encourage you tonight, 6 o'clock. If you missed last week, that's okay. You can jump right in. You won't miss a beat tonight. For Coffee Talk, 6 o'clock tonight. Look forward to seeing each and every one of you here then. God bless you. Have a great, great day.